Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's so good to have you here. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors here at the Vine, and we welcome you here today. Again, this first Sunday of Advent, the candle of peace, as we've looked at today. And, uh, you know, we've been in a series out of the book of Genesis, and I'm so glad we were in it. You know, the Old Testament, what would we do if we weren't enjoying the wonder of all that God brings in the Old Testament, as well as the New? But sometimes we overlook the Old. And, you know, what we would be missing if we did study the Old Testament? We would be missing the, the amazing sovereignty of God and who he is and his faithfulness, finding out how he over and over and over again, he makes promises to his people. And then he fulfills them. He keeps every one of his promises. And so today, and we're in a new series, and we're going to be looking at some of those prophecies in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's called Every Promise Fulfilled. And we're so glad to dive into God's Word. We're going to be looking primarily how He fulfills them in the book of Matthew. And so it's going to be a great journey. And the first first promise He makes or prophecy, we're going to look at just one today. By the way, Jesus fulfilled 351 Old Testament promises. Isn't that amazing? And and really the odds of one man fulfilling that are just beyond, it's nearly incalculable. But we're going to be looking at just one, okay? Not 351, all right? You'll be okay with that, right? And so today, uh, we're going to begin God's Word in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. And I remind you, as we do each week, that this is God's gracious, holy word. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, now look at how Isaiah 7.14 in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1. It says there, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thanks be to God for this wonderful word. And today, I just wonder, we're going to ask this is, why did God set it up this way? And and the reason why he set up his word this way is that he himself makes promises and he keeps every one of them. Aren't you glad that you can have confidence in the faithfulness of God and his promises? And he... And we see that in his promises, that we see that there were these prophecies that were, many of them, and most of them, 351 of them, 
fulfilled in the person of Jesus, the Christ, the true Messiah. So we're going to be looking at that and what it means today, especially in this one prophecy found in Isaiah 7.14. And again, we see it fulfilled in Matthew 1, especially verse 23, how this word of Emmanuel, how, how Jesus fulfilled this, and he alone could fulfill Emmanuel, God, with us. And so we're going to kind of dive into that specifically today. And uh, Emmanuel means at least three things. And the first thing is this. And hold on your hats a little bit. This, my wife said this first service, this sermon, John, is a little theological. <laughs> okay, so you ready? Okay. The first thing is, is this. Jesus is fully God. Jesus isn't just a great teacher or a, or a wonderful prophet. He claimed to be God. Matthew's Gospel quotes the Old Testament more than any of the four Gospels. And we find that Matthew is the most Jewish of the four Gospels. And we know that the Jews, back in Jesus' day and before, didn't easily accept that a human could become God, right? Because their focus on the scripture was focused on scriptures like Deuteronomy 6.4, which is called the Shema, which means it says there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. It was to focus on the godness of God. And so here we find that uh, Though that, that Jesus came, Isaiah 7, 14, and there's other scriptures where we see that the Messiah actually becomes human. And we're going to see how that unfolds today. Isaiah 7, 14 again says, But behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew further defines the meaning of Emmanuel. We see it where it says, God is with us. God with us. And, and so here in this wonderful, wonderful uh, work of, of God, we see Scripture repeatedly, repeatedly emphasizing that Jesus is this Emmanuel and that God is with us. And so let's look at a sampling of in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus as divine or as God. Colossians Chapter 2.9, Paul writes, For in him, which is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You know, Christ lived some 33 years, and he dwelt or lived in the full, in the full nature of God in our midst. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. You know, he alone, Jesus alone can sovereignly uphold his world because why? He is God created the world with a word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit created the world and sustains the world. And not only do we find these kinds of scriptures throughout the New Testament in the epistles and the letters and the gospels upholding Jesus' divinity, Jesus himself makes this clear claim. And he makes it over and over again throughout his life and found in the Gospels. One example is in John 8, verse number 58, where it says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, which means 
By the way, listen up. When you see truly, truly, listen up. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The, the name I am was the divine name found all the way back in Exodus 3.13 with Moses in the burning bush. You remember he said, I am that I am. And the word I am means, he was in essence saying, I alone am the self-existent one. I do not depend on anyone except myself. I am the only one who is truly, truly independent. He is God. And Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the great I am. And we see by the response of people by worshiping him and adoring him, and believing in his name that they actually were changed by the great I am who came, became incarnate in this world. And so the scriptures throughout the New Testament and the Old affirm that Jesus himself is fully God. And we see that this, uh, there's a controversy in the early church as the church forms after Jesus ascends into heaven. The apostles are gone now. It's about in the 300s, and there was a man named Arius who said, and was teaching, he was a pastor, and he taught that, um, that Jesus was created, and that he was, and that would mean that he would be somehow a step down in his essence, or who he is in his value, he would be less than God the Father. And that's really important to know that that's not right. That's not what Scripture says. That's what we call a heresy. And a man named Athanasius and others gathered together the church of pastors in the East and the Western church, and they came together to the, in the town of Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey. And there in 325 A.D., they wrote what was called the first creed of the church called the Nicene Creed, and it's beautiful. And it says, part of it says this, affirming the scriptural <coughs> underlining that Jesus is God. It says this, he is, Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father. Eternally, notice, means there was never a time that he did not exist. He was, he was not created. He was eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. You see, Emmanuel, as we see in this prophecy, Isaiah 7, fulfilled in Matthew 1, means that Jesus is fully God. But it also means Secondly, that Jesus is fully man. The virgin birth distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. Only Christianity claims that God became human. Now, author David Mathis writes this, Unlike every other human birth, the birth celebrated at Christmas was not a beginning, but a becoming. Christian Christmas wasn't his start, but his commission. He was not created, he came. No other human in the history of the world shares this peculiar glory. You see, Mary, Jesus' mother, who was created by God, 
gave birth. This is a mystery. It's crazy. She gave birth as a created one to the uncreated creator. Does that blow your mind? But it's true. This is amazing. Jesus is who he said he was. And he became fully human. And why is this important? Just a couple things. First of all, we needed someone, God himself, to identify with him, with us. To identify with our pain, our struggles, our issues, our humanity. To become like us. And Jesus does that. He says, because he not only suffered, he suffered the greatest pain imaginable. He knows what pain you're going through. He knows, especially when you're hurting or you're lonely, or you're in just deep struggle. He says, I'm in it with you. And because of that, he identifies with us in such a way in our humanity, he can bring a comfort that is beyond any other kind of comfort you can receive from any other source in the world. Jesus identifies with us in, in his humanity. And he also is human, the one human who never sinned. Well, now, why is that important? Because if there never was a sinless human, there couldn't be someone who could actually bear our sins or take our sins upon himself. They, they could, we could not as sinners take the sins of others. But the sinless Savior became human. And he at the cross, when he died, God applied to him spiritually our sinfulness. And because of that, we can be saved. Because the sinless Savior came and became human. And he took our penalty even the wrath of God upon himself. Praise be to Jesus, right? You see, the news, though, just keeps getting better and better. Emmanuel means God is with us. Uh, the word Emmanuel appears three times in the Bible. First, we find it in Isaiah 7.14. We've seen today. Then Isaiah 8, verse 8. And then in uh, the New Testament, fulfill Matthew 123. And again, in Genesis, we've seen from the beginning that God lived, it says he actually walked among Adam and Eve, his image bearers. From the beginning, when before sin entered into the world, God longed for a relationship with those that he created, with Adam and Eve. And he, he, his, his relationship was personal and close. And of course we know that our sin broke that relationship, and for the wages of sin is death. But that God would send a Messiah, Jesus, who became fully human and who was fully God to bring us back into relationship with himself. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he showed us the glory of God himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. What an amazing, amazing God who he understands what you're going through. 
As a result, he can bring comfort, life, to wonder. And he takes our sins, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus promised right before he, his ascension, as he lived a perfect life, he came to the place on the mountain and he was about ready to ascend and he said this to his disciples in John, Matthew 28, 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with you. How is he with you today? Well, we know that he gives us his spirit. John 14, John 16. Talk about him pouring out his spirit to reveal himself to us. And it's just as if Christ is with us. His God, the third person of the Trinity, dwells in every one of his believers. Isn't that great news? And he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I know that Christmas is the loneliest season of the year for many people. And um, you know what? If you're feeling lonely or discouraged, Christ knows your loneliness. No one was ever as lonely as he at the cross. He knows your pain. Matthew 1, 21 through 23, which is on the screen. And it all ends with this great phrase. Well, verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And then the end of verse 23, And they shall call his name. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And again, briefly, the context of Matthew's gospel here is an angel appeared to Joseph and told him that his betrothed, who was a virgin, would miraculously give birth to a Messiah who would save his people. That had to be a little bit of a shocker, right? And it's interesting that the word translated for virgin Virgin in Isaiah 7.14 is the word Alma, which in its simplest form means young woman. But the word in Matthew, uh, which he was following the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, uses the word Parthenos. Parthenos means, can only mean virgin. What this means is this, is that this shows us that Matthew's account of the Virgin Mary miraculously conceiving Jesus fulfills Isaiah's prophecy. Hallelujah! He fulfills every promise he makes and every promise he's made to you and me. So what difference does this mean? Jesus fulfilling these prophecies and fulfilling Isaiah 7.14 and Emmanuel, God being with us. What difference does this make? Well, for starters, you and I can trust God's word. Our faith does not rest on mythical stories, but on God's truth. And the story of Jesus Emmanuel isn't just a fictional tale that points to underlying realities. No, it's the story of stories to which all stories point. It is the macro story of the universe. And Jesus alone, it's his story. It's his work. And throughout his gospel, Matthew underlines how Jesus fulfills his prophecies. Um, for example, look again at verse 22 where it says, All this took place to fulfill 
what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This phrase, all this took place, um, it, it, it appears in verses, um, in 20 places in Matthew's account. And it talks about how God, Jesus over and over again fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. It's as if he's pointing to Jesus when he makes these references and saying, look, look, people, you can trust God. You can rely on his promises. He is faithful on, in everything that he has declared to you. His word can be trusted. And, and listen, you know, you and I can't take comfort from his promises if we don't know what they are. That's why we need more and more. That's why you're here, right? And listening to God's word being preached. But we need in our own lives to keep growing and studying and meditating and loving, loving, delighting in God and his faithfulness and his promises made in his precious word. This prophecy Isaiah 7.14 also assures us that only Jesus can save you. As we've seen before, because Jesus is fully God and fully human, he alone can save. What does he save us from? He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from sin's penalty of death that we deserve. Are you willing to admit, hey, I'm a, I'm a moral failure. Not easy to admit, right? I have need. I need a Savior. Are you there? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, I, I need a Savior? I love uh, what Tim Keller comments on this verse that talks about our, the courage we need to admit our neediness. He says this, it's by looking at Jesus himself. Because if you think, if you think, it takes courage to be with him, consider that it took infinitely more courage for him to be with you. What a Savior, what a God. He becomes incarnate. He dwells with us, makes he moves into our neighborhood, as one translation says of Matthew 1.23. And not only does that, when he ascends into heaven, he sends out his Holy Spirit, and he is with you, with us, forever, if you know Christ as your God and Lord. What a God. Look to Jesus. He alone can save you. And remember this. Jesus is with you at all times. Do we know how wonderful this is? Do we? I mean, think about it. When someone says, I'm with you, it means, hey, I've got your back. I'm behind you. I'm for you. It's kind of like my wife. It's like, she's pretty good about that. And if people come against me. She's a good mama bear. She'll come after you. Don't come after me. now. <laughs> but, you know, Lizanne can't be there all the time. And no human can be there with you and for you at all times. But there is one who can. Jesus alone. 
Jesus alone, Emmanuel, God with us, means very practically, I will be with you and I am for you every moment of your life. I am always with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise be to our God. The Creator God has our back. No matter what you're facing, if God is with you, He is with every believer, He is for you. And regardless of your emotions or your circumstances or struggles, God is here. He's with you. It's going to be okay. So today is the candle of peace. And yeah, we'd like to have peace on the outside of our lives. We'd love to have great circumstances, but the reality is this life is chaotic and it's hard and there's a lot of messed up stuff. But, friends, if you know this God of peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you can have confidence. I'm never alone. I can face anything because if God is for me, who can be against me? Emmanuel, the Lord, says to you and me, trust me. Believe that I'm with you and for you. Bring me into your conflicts and into your worries, and I will bring you peace. I am a man. I am fully human and fully God, and I, I, Lord, will be with you at all times. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.